Hey family, it's your sister here, Jocelyn, and I'm so excited that you tuned into today's episode. The testimony of this guest is incredible, but unfortunately, the landscaper at their house didn't get the memo that we were recording a podcast, so the lawnmower continued to go off throughout the entire episode. We weren't able to completely edit out the background noise, but we decided to still release this podcast because the content was so powerful. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We work incredibly hard to identify guests who will help you move forward on your healing journey. So if you are blessed by today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star review. This will help us to reach more people and get this important message of healing out to the world. Thank you in advance for your support and enjoy today's episode. Hey family, it's your sister here, Jocelyn, and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We're so glad to have you here with us today. And we want you to know that we're here to support you. We have a team of Christian counselors available to walk with you on your healing journey. Sometimes we experience trauma, grief, and other painful events in our lives. And it's difficult to go through that experience alone, but you don't have to. We are here to help strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and help you to discover a sense of community. And so I encourage you to visit our website today at faithonthejourney.org to learn about all of the resources that are available for you. But for today's broadcast, I'm excited for you to have the opportunity to meet one of our incredible counselors. She is a amazing woman of God, Miss Carolyn Evans. She is a very educated woman. Uh, when I'm looking at her bio, she has five CPE units in clinical pastoral education. She has her bachelor's degree in religion, master's of pastoral counseling, master's of divinity, master's of human service crisis and trauma response. And she's a master's level certificate life coaching specialist. But I'm here to say that she has been working in this field for a very long time. And the education is impressive alone. But one thing that I want to hone in on is her experience. She has experienced so much in her life. And by the grace of God, God has helped her to use her pain for a greater purpose. And that's the side that I want you to see of her today. So I'm so excited to welcome Carolyn Evans to the show. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yes, we're excited to have you. And thank you, Carolyn. And I would love for you just to start off by telling our listeners and those who are watching a little bit about your story and life growing up. Okay. So I am a child that was raised by my grandparents. As far back as I can remember, I call my grandmother mom, mom and my grandfather dad. I grew up in a house where at first I really thought that they were my parents, but it was evident that there was someone else that was lingering around that would pop up from time to time, which was my mother. And so I remember one day there was an argument that took place over the telephone. And I remember hearing the woman and my grandmother uh, having this argument. And I heard the woman say, send my child home. And so I remember being packed up and taken back to my mother's house where I had other siblings at. From the time I kind of came in the door, I did not feel comfortable I kind of felt that I was singled out a lot. 
I felt that uh, I wasn't treated the same as the other children. That kind of caused a problem between her and I for the most part of my younger years. And so uh, I would think about the time I was 11. I found myself homeless. I was out in the street. I slept outside. I remember sleeping under bushes at our local courthouse. I remember having conversations with God, like, God, do you know I'm out here? Do you know that I'm asleep out here underneath these bushes? I'm hungry. I'm dirty. And I just felt like I had been abandoned um, as a child. I felt mm-hmm. like everyone had turned their back on me, it seemed. And so I had this uh, time period where I was living on the streets. I was probably surviving off of maybe a, a bag of potato chips a day, if I was lucky to get that. I had a brother who was also on the street. So he kind of sheltered me from some of the stuff that I could have got exposed to. So I was thankful for him too. Um, but sometimes we would get separated because he had friends that he would run off with and they didn't want me there. Uh, one day when I was walking, I remember there was a guy who picked me up and uh, he knew my name. And when he picked me up, he called me by name first. So immediately I thought, OK, well, I don't know who this person is, but they know me. He asked me if I wanted to ride. And I said yes. And, and so I got in the car and I did not know that the car that I was getting into was a car that the locks only locked on the driver's side. As we went on, the guy was like smoking marijuana and getting high in the car and and which was not good for me because I was a person who didn't indulge. And so I became very uh, high off of whatever he was smoking, but the windows were up. So I was like trapped in this car with this smell and I ended up passing out. When I woke up, uh, I was being raped. Um, He was on top of me and this was something that went on for hours. It was something that uh, every time that I that I was gaining consciousness, um, I was realizing, you know, that something was going on and that I was being sexually attacked by this man. And so somewhere in the morning, he ended up releasing me. He kept me overnight in this vehicle and he released me. It turned out that I knew who his family was, but because of all the abuse that I had suffered as a child, I kind of felt that whatever this man did to me, I deserved. And so I was afraid to tell other people about it. I didn't think any anybody would care if I told them or I thought that maybe they would think, okay, well, it's all your fault anyway. And my older brother, I didn't want to tell him because I was afraid that he may retaliate on this individual and he would end up in some kind of trouble. And I didn't want to cause any trouble to him. My life there was not very good. I ended up, um, like I said, living under these bushes outside. I, I hung out with a lot of street people. Um, I hung out with people who were uh, prostitutes, people who were um, on drugs. Basically, these are the people that took care of me. They made sure that I ate. Sometimes people would give me a safe place to stay. But for the most part, these were the people that I hung out with that showed me love, shall I say. And so one day when I was sleeping under the bushes, I remember a woman coming and she stuck her hand behind the bush and she said, come with me. She said, it's over now. I remember coming out from under the bushes and I was feeling kind of relieved because I knew that someone had come for me, but I was not quite sure what was going to happen with me. They took me to the local hospital and they did an examination on me. They checked me out to make sure that I was okay because they knew I hadn't been outside for a while. At that point, 
I was taken to a home, sort of like a foster care home or something. But I was taken there and I was told that I was going to stay there and I met my so-called new parents. When I met the parents, the husband said something to me. He said, you're welcome here. And he said, we, we love you here. The words we love you really twisted something in me. And I remember running away. And I was just in fear that this man said he loved me. And, I, and all I could think of is by nightfall that I would be attacked again. Uh, even if he didn't have those intentions as a child, that's all I could think of is that this man has said he loved me. He's most likely going to attack me. And so I had this this thing going on where I felt like most people were against me or everyone wanted to harm or hurt me. And so for the next couple of years after that, I spent a, a lot of time uh, running away from different places. Uh, I went to girls' school, finally to a place where I could not run. They made sure that I was in a locked facility. At this time, I was unable to run anywhere. I was basically there for a treatment. And when I was there, I learned a lot of stuff that I really didn't know. Learned how to walk properly and shoes. <laughs> I learned how to cook. Basically, they took really good care of me. They taught me how to uh, sing. They gave me lessons. I had dance lessons. I had all this great stuff that was going on. And then one day the time came where they were going to release me back to home. And so I would be returning back to my mother's house after all these years. So once I got home, I would probably say I was home for maybe a week and there was an, ex an explosion between my mom and me. And then I found myself homeless again. So now I'm back out on the street again. I became pregnant. I was pregnant at 16 years old. I had a child at 17. And so I was nothing really good was happening for me at all. Um, my brother was still around. He was helping me out. Sometimes he would have to bring me groceries. Sometimes he'd have to pay a bill for me. Little things to try to help me out. He brought diapers for me, anything that he could do. I met a guy and I got married. I was married at 21 years old. He was 20. I was 21. It was a, uh, a cocktail of hurt, pain. It, it was horrible. Um, he was a Christian. He brought me to church. I actually got saved in the church that his parents went to. And so because he was this great Christian kid, shall I say, and I was this wild kid from the streets, it just didn't work. And so I caused a lot of problems in the marriage. And it took me a while to be able to say, hey, I, I ruined that marriage. And I realized that I did, but I ruined it out of a place of a lot of hurt and pain. And so I got divorced. I was divorced by about 26 years old. From that point on, it was downhill. It was I was drinking. I was hanging out, partying with people, just living this crazy life again. Just gave up on everything again. This went on for, for quite a few years. Then all of a sudden, one day... I walked into a bar and I met a young man in the bar. And then let me take you back before that, a little bit before that. I was actually uh, working the door at a club. And so people had to come in and I was the one that would check their ID. And so because I was unable to come out from the between the doors because I was working, people would bring me drinks to the door. There would be an hour of time after the club closed where I would be able to come out and I would be able to hang out with people and, you know, kind of party it up myself. On this particular day, I remember coming out from behind the door 
and I had had several drinks. I'm going to count about eight to 10. That night, me and my friends, we all went to a restaurant. We got out to the restaurant and there was a guy that was sitting from a distance and he was waving for me to come over to him. So I kind of looked at him like, are you talking to me? And I kind of looked behind me and I'm like, is this guy talking to me? And because of the clothing I had on, I wasn't dressed all that nice (laughs) coming from the club. And I was thinking, okay, this guy wants something from me. I, I'm so sick of these men. Like, what does he want now? I'm saying. And so I looked at him again and I go, me? And he says, yes. And so I got up and I walked over and I slid in the booth across from him. And he looks at me and he says, he says, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I said, me? No, God doesn't have no plan for my life. He's like, yes, you. He says, you've been through so much. He says, turn around and look at the table where you were sitting at. Now, remember, I said I was intoxicated. All of a sudden, the feeling of intoxication disappeared, and I was sober. He says, turn around. He said, look at the table where you were sitting at. Those aren't your friends. He said, I know you think that they love you. He said, but they don't. He said, they talk about you. He said, one steals from you. He said, they're not very good people. He said, but no problem. He said, God is going to move you away from these people because he has a great plan for you. He said, you're going to meet somebody. He said, you're going to meet a nice man. He said, you're really going to love this guy. And I said, me? I don't know about that. But anyway, he was right. Uh, shortly after that, I, I met a man and I absolutely adored him. And uh, he became my husband. I was thankful for him. James Dwayne Evans is his name. I was thankful for him because he was a person who refused to leave me. He was a person who, no matter how tough it was to deal with me, um, he would pray for me. He would share scripture with me. He would take me to church. And he just refused to leave me broken. He was always trying to help me come through somehow. He did a lot of good work with me. One of the days we went on a a bus trip and we went to uh, this little town called York, Pennsylvania. And my husband was very into the church. So he was a choir director for our church. And so he directed multiple choirs and he was just this wonderful musical genius. We got on the bus and we went on this trip. When we got there, I remember standing up in the bus and I can hear the choir on the inside of the church singing. It was just the most beautiful angelic voices that I heard. I felt like I wanted to just push people out of the way in the aisle. Move, move, move. I got to get into this church. And so once I got in there, it was the most beautiful time in in the Lord that day. And I remember getting back on the bus and um, my phone started to ring. And I looked down at my phone and I saw it was my brother calling me. And I said, well, uh, I'm not going to answer right now. I said, he's a new Christian. He had become a Christian. He had been Muslim for 14 years. And he walked into a Pentecostal church one night and he met a pastor there. And uh, the pastor talked with him about coming to Christ. And he did. And so I get home and I walk in the house and I look at the the telephone and I say, I wonder how his night went. And I said, I'll call him back. So I went in the room and I went to lay down. And um, as I laid down, all of a sudden I felt paralyzed. I could not move Um, from the neck down. My body would not move. My arms wouldn't move. My legs wouldn't move. I kind of rolled my neck over and I look at my husband and I say, hey, I said, I can't move. I said, I'm paralyzed. I said, I can't, my body won't move. And he says, well, it's been a long day. He said, we've been to two churches. We've been on the bus. He said, you're probably tired. He said, get some rest. He said, and in the morning, he said, if you're not feeling good, I'll take you to the hospital. I said, okay. 
I knew he was tired. He had directed two different choirs, two different churches. So I didn't really want to bother him. So shortly after that, I heard a noise. And so I kind of rolled my neck over to look at him and he was asleep. And I said, well, he just told me he's going to keep his eye on me. Why is he asleep? I laid there and I fell asleep myself and did not even realize that I had fallen asleep. And all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder. And so I rolled my neck over to look at him and say, hey, why did you hit me? He was still asleep. And so I knew someone had hit me. So I, I sat up now. I'm able to move. And I started talking to God. I had been with God all day. So the first thing I thought was talk to God. So I sat up and I said, hey, God, somebody just hit me. Someone just hit me. And all of a sudden, I caught a glimpse of something in my room that I, threw me off. It looked like us, but it was not in the flesh. And so I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, okay, I live in an old funeral home. Maybe something is wrong with our house. And so I started hitting him. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have to see what I'm looking at. Wake up. And all of a sudden I see this bright light come down the hallway and these two strong beings appear. And so they're walking with their heads down and their hands behind their back. And so I'm watching this. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And all of a sudden it feels like someone took a warm blanket and just wrapped me in the most amazing feeling of love. And so I'm sitting there in this feeling that feels so good that I don't ever want to let go. And all of a sudden I see two more pair and then two more pair. So there was a total of six. The one that was in my room joined in with the six and they all vanished. And the feeling that I was sitting in was just so beautiful. I was sitting there thanking God, like, God, I don't know what that was that you just showed me, but I just want to say thank you. This is amazing how I feel right now. This is amazing. And so shortly after that, I felt back to sleep. So the next morning I get up and when I get up the next morning, I'm troubled. What was that I saw? And so I've seen things when I was a kid. I had a lot of times where I've seen things that were evil, but this was different and I, I needed answers. And so um, I go to the bathroom and I'm sitting in the bathroom and, and my husband comes in and he says, you know, I don't know what that was you saw last night. He said, I can't help you. He said, maybe you should call our pastor. And so I called my pastor and I told him, hey, I saw this. And, and then I saw these, these strong beings. And then this one, you know, joined in and they all vanished. He says, well, it sounds like you had a visit. And I said, well, a visit from who? And he says, well, I don't know who he says, but I want you to get on your knees and pray. He said, ask God what that was that you saw. He said, he's going to answer you. He said, just be patient. He's going to answer you. I said, okay. I hung the phone up. I got on my knees and I started praying. My phone began to ring. Right away, I'm thinking it's my pastor. So I picked the phone up to say, hey, what did you forget to tell me? It's not him. It's my mother. My mother is wailing in the phone. And she says, your brother has been murdered. And I say, what? No, no, no. She didn't just say that. My mom didn't just say that. She didn't. I didn't hear that. And I say, mom, hold on. I want you to say that one more time. Slow down and say that one more time. What did you just say? She says, your brother has been murdered. And I remember tossing the phone up in the air and I was on the floor and I'm screaming out to God, Lord, don't do this to me. This is the only person that I connect with in this family. Please don't do this to me. Don't take my brother. I'm not ready for that. I need him. Don't do this to me. In my screaming and wailing on the floor, I hear a voice speak to me. And it's God. He says, Carol, my name is Carolyn. My close friends call me Carol. <laughs> and he says, Carol, he says, raise up. He said, he's okay. He's with me. 
And I remember standing to my feet that day and I'm crying my heart out and my chest is going up and down and I'm huffing and puffing and I'm just having this moment where I feel like God is directly in my face. And all of a sudden I hear him say, go. And so go meant leave the house. So I left the house and I ended up in my mom's living room where there were other family members there. People were crying. They were upset. We didn't know who harmed my brother. Some people wanted revenge. It was horrible. I was like, no one do nothing. And so when I came and I brought this amazing piece through the door with me. And so for the next couple of weeks, I became everyone's support. So I call it. People would call me. They would ask me for prayer. They would just call me if they needed to process anything. Uh, my brother had eight children also, so I became support for the children also. And so we went through this period of time where people were coming around and they were concerned. And then all of a sudden, everyone was gone. And I found myself having to deal with the fact that my brother was murdered. I want to interject really quickly, Carolyn, because I think that that's something I want us to go deeper on. The fact that sometimes when we're grieving, initially we'll have a lot of support and then people, they go away. And so I want us to transition into some of the work that was done around your healing and how to deal with the fact that sometimes you might not always get the help or the support that you're seeking. So at, at this time, I really didn't have any support. The only support that I really had was my husband. But at some point, he really wanted me to to get better. And he it seemed like he kept pushing me and he would say things to me like, I want you back. I want the person back that you once were before all this happened. But that person was non-existent. Um, I was going through a lot and I found myself dealing with PTSD. I was in a very dark place and I did not know how to get out of it. And I felt like I was in this dark hole, just being sucked into this dark hole. And I just couldn't get free from it. And I, my, I was consumed with who did this? Why did they do it? I was making phone calls and my daily life was consumed with this. Then one day my little girl walks over to me. She's about seven and she gets down in my face and she says, mom, she says, are you okay? And she stares at me. She really looks intently into my eyes and she says, are you okay? And I looked back at her and I said, yeah, I am. And for some reason, something about her, that child looking in my eyes like that snapped me out of what I was going through. And I realized that I had been absent. I realized that there's children in the house. I have not been active. I have not been taking care of them. I wasn't taking care of myself. So she woke me up out of this. And I remember that night I said, God, I can't do this no more. I'm tired. I'm weighed down by all this. I'm exhausted. I'm not getting any sleep. I'm hurting. And I can't do this no more. I can't do this anymore. And I remember going to bed that night and I said to him, I'm going to leave all this with you. I need to take everything from my from my entire lifetime. And I need to put this in your hands, God, because I'm, I can't do it no more. I'm done. There's nothing left of me to give. And I, I prayed that night, you know, and my prayer was, you know, just, I trust you, God. I trust you with my life. I need to leave all this in, in on this pillow tonight. And I remember just crying my heart out. And my pillow was soaked that night when that, when I finished praying. And, and I remember just telling him, I need to get up now. 
I need to get up now, Lord. I have life left in me. I have life that I have to live. I felt dead. I felt when my brother died that I had died too. And I wanted to live. I wanted to be able to be accessible to my children and to get back to my daily life and daily routine and movements. And I was like, I can't do this as long as I'm carrying this pain. And so I put it down. And uh, the next day I got up and I started moving around. And I decided I'm going out the house for the first time in six months. I had not been out the house in six months. My brother was killed near a window in his house, so I could not go near windows when I had the PTSD. I decided for the first time in six months, I'm coming out of this house. And I actually got dressed. I had nowhere to go. I chose to just walk out and force myself out the door. And I went to a grocery store. When I got to the end of the aisle, there was a girl that was at the store who was a friend of mine who said to me, she says, Carolyn, I haven't seen you since your brother died. She said, I always thought that you would make a wonderful chaplain. I said, a chaplain? Me? No. No. I'm thinking I'm not walking around telling everybody what's wrong with them. (laughs) What I do is I tell everybody what's right about them. I took her up on becoming a chaplain. I have 14 years in now. Um, I've helped thousands of people since the loss of my brother. Every time that I think of the loss of my, my brother, I always remember all the good that I've done and the thousands of lives that I touched since he's been passed. And so it's been very good for me. It's almost like he helped thrust me into my destiny and that I was supposed to help all these people. And so had I not experienced the pain, I may not have been as compassionate as I am with the people that I deal with every day. Wow. I mean, I'm listening and I know that just in this this short period of time, you're giving us the cliff note version of your story in terms of all the things that you've gone through. And I know there's so much more to it, yeah. but I, I would love for us to just begin to start talking about the work that you're doing now, not just as a chaplain, but now as a counselor with Faith on the Journey. And this is something obviously that you're passionate about and just talking about the methods, and I won't even say methods, but how you accompany people in this healing process, especially if they lost someone to gun violence, or they might have experienced some of the same trauma you experienced, whether it's homelessness, sexual assault. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about how do you encourage individuals who are experiencing such trauma on their healing journey? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I do is I always invite God into the process. I feel as if um, I would not be in the position that I am with my own wholeness and my own wellness, if it had not been for God, um, if it had not been for me praying, growing closer to him, spending time with him, sometimes even if it's just listening to gospel music, just having my moments with him and, and making him first in my life, doing that has helped me change. And it also helped me transition into who he wanted me to be. And so I know now that my my life is about servanthood and that he has me walking along the side of other people and guiding them and helping them to get to a better place. I believe that some of the things that I went through in my life were not there to break me down and to tear me down, but they were there to build my character and to make me stronger. And I believe that God used the things of my life so that I could go back to help those who are suffering. And so because I know the suffering, it makes it easier for me to relate to people because I've been 
in a lot of places where they are at. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would love for you to speak to that person today if they're in a dark place. I mean, you talked about at one point not being able to leave the house for six months. Mm -hmm. And so um, that could be the result for whoever's listening because of sexual abuse, because of a loss of a loved one, because of whatever reason or trauma that you experience. So speak to that person right now. What would you say to offer them hope and encouragement around God's ability to heal? One of the first things that I would say is I would grab a hold of the word that you just used, you used the word hope. And I would remind them that Jesus is our hope, that everything that we need is found within him. That sometimes that we can't do things in our own strength. We don't have our own might to be able to to get back up and to move along after suffering from traumatic events. But God is a healer. He is a healer. And if you ask him into your life, into your heart, He will gladly come and he will help lead and guide you into places. He will send people into your life that will help you out. It's all about surrendering. You have to surrender the pain. Um, And that's what I did. I, I told God, hey, there's nothing I can do with this pain. I don't know what to do with this pain, but if you can use it for something, hey, by all means, please do. And I surrendered it over to him. Just trusting If you can trust God and just invite him in, ask him to walk with you to help change your life, he will surely do it. He turns no man away. No one that comes to him will ever be disappointed. He loves all of us and um, he will help you get into a better place. He really will. If he did it for me, he will do it for you. Yeah, I can surely say you're a living testimony of that. Uh, Anyone who is listening to this broadcast today, I know they're encouraged by how God has brought you from a place of homelessness, brokenness, and all of the above to a place where you're now helping other people to heal. I wrote about this in my book. Uh, There's a phrase of being a wounded healer. Yep, that's me. And, you know, sometimes I think that we are at a place in our walk where we're like, God can't use me when like you were talking about that experience where you're in the, the bar and you was like, who yeah. me? God yeah. who me? No, God can use you. I'm talking to whoever is listening right now. God can use you. And despite what you've experienced in your life and how the enemy has tried to take you out because that's exactly what's happening. Uh, You might have been in a place in your walk where you were on the right path. You felt like you were on the verge of a breakthrough and then the enemy comes by and tries to snatch you and take you out. But his, he's doing his MO. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. But we have a savior called Jesus Christ who is with you. He is with you and he's not going to let what the enemy meant to destroy you, take you out. And he has his hand on you. And so understanding that even through Carolyn's testimony, you have hope even when things seem so dark. And this is not the end of your story. Your trauma is not going to define your story. What Their ability to overcome as a survivor of that trauma is what's going to do that for you. And so I think, Carolyn, as we're, we're having this conversation and you're sharing the story, emphasizing that trauma doesn't have the last word is one thing I want to make sure that people remember. That's right. And I know for me, uh, the enemy played a big role in my life. He was constantly trying to take me down, tear me down, confuse me, um, confuse my mind. And it, it was a battle, but I but I fought for my own sanity and I fought for myself and I had refused to give up on me. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm still here. And I'm glad I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't give up because other people's lives depended on me pulling through. And so I'm glad I was able to pull through. So I'm able to go back and help those people. 
Um, one of the other things that I had suffered through, which I didn't touch yet, was I, my husband that was there to help me out for all the years he died. And so that was traumatic also. Actually, I, I woke up and he was in bed with me and he had passed. And so I wasn't sure how long I had been laying there with him next to me and he had passed. Um, so that was really traumatic when I woke up. And so um, that was tough. Widowhood is a tough battle. The reason why it's so tough is is that it's a it's a battle that just just does not end in a week or two. It's ongoing. It's a constant fight, and you have to fight to stay afloat. You have to fight for your own life and for your own sanity. It's very hurtful. It's very painful when you lose someone that you love like that. But you have to also remember too that you have to be able to to live, continue to live. You have to want to continue to live. Your story is not over with. God still has stuff for you at this point. And that's why if he wanted to at some point, he could have took you too, but he didn't. He's allowing you to continue living because he has so much more for you. And so we have to be careful with the words that we speak on ourselves. Oh, I'll never get over this. I'll never get up again. I don't want to live anymore. These are words that keep us trapped. And so we have to watch our language. We have to speak things like, I trust God. I know that this person is with God. It's okay for me to get up. It's okay for me to move along. I have lots of life to live. There's people in my life who who still love me, who uh, expect me to be present in their life. My kids need me. There's things that you have to tell yourself constantly that will help you to move on to be better. And you have to trust God. Trust God that he he has your loved ones in his hands. They're in safekeeping and it's okay for you to get up and start living your life. That's what I did. I, I got up and I started living my life and then I started touching other lives. And so now I speak to, well, I'm going to say about 2,500 widows every day and um, I give them hope and I use my experiences to tell them, you know, what to expect. Uh, how widowhood is going to go, what stages to expect to go through. It's helping a lot of people. And so this is just another stepping stone in my life, you know, that I had to go through that God has turned around and used it for his glory. So I give it all to him. I'm thankful he wants to use me. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. He's using you in a number of different ways. And I think that's the thing. I mean, the painful event, we wouldn't ask for the stuff that we've gone through in terms of the losses and experiences that we've had. And let's be clear, the evil that took place, um, whether it's uh, abuse, whether it's gun violence, that's evil. God didn't bring about that evil. We're saying that God can still use if we give the pain to them for a greater good. And that's two separate things. I think we we have to distinguish. But in the story that you just shared, there's so much perseverance and just hope that you bring to someone who has experienced the type of loss and trauma that you've gone through. And so I thank you for your transparency and, and for just being an open book about the things that you've experienced. And I would just um, ask you, is there any final words of encouragement that you would like to share with uh, someone who's listening today who's who's heard your story? Yes. One thing that I do know about my life is that if I were to go back and remove all my experiences, then it would definitely change who I am today. I am who I am because of the experiences that I went through. And I know that God's hand was with 
with me and was on me because of the changes that I saw happen because I trusted him. And had I not trusted him, I may have not seen his hand move in my life. But because I did trust him, I see all the wonderful things that he has done, the person that he has brought me to be, the joy that I have in my heart, which I did not have at one time that I was broken, I was torn and I was beaten and I was battered and hurt and abused and all these different things. And and now because I trusted God, I can speak to the widow. I can speak to the homeless person. I can speak to the broken person. I can speak to the person who's been sexually abused. I can speak to the person that's been divorced and abandoned. I can speak to all these people because the experiences that I had and I trusted God with the experiences. So my best thing to tell you is to trust God. And sometimes you can't see things any further than what's in front of you at the time. But if you just trust him, he'll start moving you along the journey and you'll see your healing start to take place. And I can tell you today that I am healed and I am healed only because of God's grace. And the same thing that he's done for me, he will definitely do it for you. He doesn't love me any more than you. He loves us all the same. And if if he loved me enough to pull me through, he will love you enough to pull you through. And that's the word. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for just sharing your story. And I want the listeners and viewers to know that, again, she is a member of our Faith on the Journey counseling team. And she's so excited to support you and walk with you. Uh, so, Carolyn, uh, let's continue to do this work of ministry together to help God's people to heal. And we're just so grateful for you sharing your story today. I am so excited. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of this team. I can't even put it in words. I'm just ready to do some good work and help some people out. Yes, and you will, Carolyn. And I thank everyone who tuned into today's broadcast. Wow, what a powerful testimony that she just shared with us. And I know that you can think of one, two, three, or more people who need to hear this message. And so I encourage you to take your cell phone out right now and send a text, send an email to someone who needs to hear this. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. And so any method of social media that you like, use that to share this important message with the world. And you can find Carolyn on our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org, along with a number of other resources to support you on your healing journey. And so thank you for tuning in this week to this broadcast. We do this week after week to encourage you. So I look forward to seeing you next week. But until then, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family. 